Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. This fall, the Fantasy Sports Channel will make history all over again with even more live fantasy sports radio than anywhere on the planet. At least 12 hours of fantasy football, baseball, basketball, and hockey action each Monday through Friday. Plus more fantasy sports talk every Saturday and Sunday. More than 50 shows in all from the best fantasy sportscasters in the business. Try getting that on your radio dial. The Fantasy Sports Channel. Only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a Schedule you can bet on. I don't know, Mike. Is there anything to talk about tonight? We got the uh, the lockout back on, man. <laughs> one bleeds red and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rivalry. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio with your host Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. I'm living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen. Do it straight from the haters. Got a nice ring to it. I guess every superhero need the same music. No one man should have all that power. Dynasty teams and what's going on there. 
We really enjoy the Dynasty format, and we like to talk about that. John's uh, show is definitely launched off last week. It's a great show looking at Dynasty fantasy football. It's a phenomenon that's, uh, that's uh, you know, sweeping the – Sweeping the fantasy landscape, Mike. You got turned on to it a couple of years ago. Trades are always controversial. There's always something going on. Good trades, yeah. bad trades. I don't have any trades. I don't care, man. I get. I wake up in the morning. I check my email on my phone. It's the first thing I grab, and I'm looking for a trade in my inbox. And and you know, it, it's a big part of uh, what dynasty football is all about. Absolutely, Scott. And the the one thing about it is that you know it never fails if you if you make a trade. There, there's going to be the naysayers that said, "Wow, that's a bad trade," or, "Or, or you did great and you screwed the other guy, or you got screwed one way or the other." Who can determine who made a good trade or a bad trade at that time? You can know, but it's the the only way it's going to be determined is down the road. Then you can look back and say, "Wow, you messed up," or or vice versa. So. Uh, that's the fun part about dynasty football. That's the fun part about being in the leagues uh, that we're in. Uh, you, you know, when you go over and over again, uh, year after year. Uh, the fun part about it is, did I make a good decision? Looking back, and uh, you, you just don't know until that time. Yeah, three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number. You can call the show. You can ask a question. If you have a trade, if you have a rookie draft pick, we'll give you our thoughts, our breakdown on that analysis. You know, we'll go around deep, maybe into the second round. We won't go much further than that. If you're looking for some kind of deep IDP league, this is not your show. You go ahead and switch the channel. We're going to talk about offensive skill positions, the quarterback, the running back, the wide receiver. I doubt we get into tight ends at all tonight but we will hit the QB, RB, and wide receiver position. A lot of our dynasty teams got slammed tonight, Mike, based on what we saw in the draft. Now, granted, rookies are rookies. They're not always going to do what you, yeah. you think they're going to do, but some, uh, several teams took a significant step in a different direction. That started with Cam Newton at the one pick, Mike. It seems like a Jamarcus Russell part two, but this guy does have some wheels. Do you think Cam Newton can turn this franchise around? Uh, yes, I think he can. Uh, right away, no, absolutely not. I, I really don't think right away. Uh, I think it's going to take a couple years. He's going to go through the uh, natural uh, rookie stumbling blocks that they all go through. Uh, as far as uh, what's going to happen with uh, Jimmy Clausen and everybody else that's there with uh, Carolina, I mean that's going to be a that's going to be a shootout between them all. Uh, so Cam Newton's not a, a shoe-in as far as uh, you know, starting quarterback. In my opinion, they're, they're going to uh, they're going to evaluate things, but uh, I don't think it's going to be a Jamarcus Russell either, though. Well, it's, it's yet to be seen. It seemed like that draft started off as the quarterback draft, and we're sitting here watching all these guys. Jake Locker from Washington goes to Tennessee. I immediately see. Uh, that being a good thing for Chris Johnson, starting to open things up. you got Jared Cook getting ready to explode if you have him. And then you've got the head case in Kenny Britt that a lot of people were trying to figure out what to do with. I think he's definitely a hold right now. You don't want to sell him. You want to give Jake Walker a chance uh, at 1-8. Then at 1-10, two picks later, Mike, the guy that I know you like and I know you love this situation Blaine Gabbert from Missouri. Some people are saying that he's cerebral like a Peyton Manning, but he definitely doesn't have that kind of arm. I've seen him play. I'm not real impressed. I mean, it's, it's short, but, he, I mean, I haven't really seen the deep ball there, and, and the question will be can he develop that Has a good receiving uh, weapon in Mike Thomas to kind of develop, and you love the tight end there. Talk about the Jaguars and Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, i tell you what. I like this pick. Uh, Blaine Gabbert is going to be perfect uh, in this situation because – what he's stepping into. He's stepping into a uh, situation to where he doesn't have to perform right away. Uh, he's going to learn a little bit. And uh, he, he, the arm strength, he'll get that. I mean, if, if he hasn't gotten if, – if he doesn't have it already, he will get that. But he doesn't have to have it. It's not, it's not that necessary in the NFL right now, uh, depending on the offense. And that offense in Jacksonville – he does not have to have the arm strength to go downfield that much. The arm strength to go, uh, you know, lateral, he's going to have to have that. And he does have that. So 
I'm I'm pretty comfortable with uh, Blaine Gabbert uh, in Jacksonville uh, going there. I think he'll fit in perfectly, uh, given a couple years. Uh, the the next quarterback taken, you know, everybody was talking about that there was uh, four quarterbacks taken off the board that quick. Uh, is a real uh, it makes me want to ponder. Uh, Christian Ponder going to uh, Minnesota. Minnesota wanted to get him that quick. That's very surprising to me. Yeah, man, I think we were all uh, shocked by that. Florida State, we watched Florida State games all year, and I didn't see anything special about it. Ponder, by all, everybody, what everybody was saying was he's a late first rounder, maybe early second or something like that. And and then here, I think Minnesota just completely panicked, man. They saw three back quarterbacks off the board. I think they had their sights set on Locker or Gabbard. I think when both of those happened, they just freaked out and panicked and didn't have time to pull a trade and just kind of said, you know what, there's a lot of teams here, Cincinnati, uh, San Fran, they're going to need quarterbacks. We can't risk not having one. If you don't have a quarterback in the NFL, you waste Sidney Rice. You waste Percy Harvin. And they all stack the box on Adrian Peterson. You become very one-dimensional. Minnesota just dies, uh, and they don't make the playoffs. So, you know, kudos for Minnesota for saying we can't do that because, you know, the only options here, we'll talk about them in a minute, there's only a couple of free agent options out there that could really, you know, turn this thing around. You can't count on Joe Webb to sell tickets. Minnesota has never done that. They've never said, you know what, we're not going to come to the table. Minnesota always takes exciting impact players, and that I admire about them. But this pick, I mean, come on. I mean, there's a I, – I, well, I don't know. I mean, it's, it, at, that, at that point, it's just a matter of which quarterback you like, and obviously they like Ponder. Right. And uh, the question uh, that they have to ask themselves at the end of the day, are they happier with Ponder, or what about Andy Dalton when Cincinnati uh, snatched him up? I mean, at the end of the day – which quarterback will be better down the road, Christian Ponder or uh, Andy Dalton? Well, you know what? I mean, I think most of us uh, are, are saying that it's going to be Dalton uh, just on the way we saw uh, from that kid from uh, TC, uh, uh, TCU. But, uh, look, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of different, uh, you know, this can go one way or the other. You know, he was one of their top-rated quarterbacks. He was right in the mix. And Frazier basically said it would have been hard to pass up at 12. Uh, look, you've got Frazier. Uh, he's involved in this. This is, this is a do-or-die pick with him. And But you've got to have a quarterback. So, you know what? They've got to do something. You pick, you, 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 you made your bet. Now you got to lie in it. And he better be able to throw that ball. And they better be able to re-sign Sidney Rice and, and get Sidney Rice and Percy Harvin uh, you know, those are dynamic weapons. You've got to, you've got to use them. Uh, and so – I, I don't I know. Think, I, 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 think I think you're right. I, I think they kind of hit the uh, panic button uh, right there because uh, they saw these quarterbacks going off, and it's like, wow, we got to do something right now. I don't think he was the guy they wanted, but, you know, at the end of the day, with the position that they were in, they did spend a, a day and a half with him um, on the Florida State campus. They came away really convinced that – he was one of the players they would consider at the 12. And, but, but like I said, I don't think they had really much of a choice uh, if, you're, if you're worried about, you know, filling that position later. I think they just decided that, hey, you know what, he's good enough and let's go. You don't have to be Peyton Manning uh, right. at the 112. You just have to be a starting quarterback. Can he be a Matt Stafford? Probably. I mean, look, Stafford's got all the talent in the world, but he can't stay healthy. So, uh, you know, he wants somebody upright. So, I mean, you know, I don't – I'm not too upset about it. I'm not a Minnesota big, you know, fan here, so I'm not too too worried about right. it. But hey, they had to do something. Um, they went down. Uh, other quarterbacks, you know, we talked about Gabbard. I love this for Mike Thomas. Mike Thomas is an emerging threat in the league. This kid uh, does everything from the. I mean, he's fast. He gets up. He's got a vertical. He's got hands. He he turns corners, heads around. He just uh, He's an all-around player. Mike Thomas is going to go enter into his third pivotal year here, and he's been showing signs of progress every single year. Mike Sims-Walker arguably gone. He's going to be gone, and that's going to leave Mike Sims-Walker in charge of the number one wide receiver spot unless they go and pick up one of these free agents. Mike, now, there's a lot of free agents. That's another thing that didn't, that didn't happen this year. In the draft, the free agents didn't get a chance to get signed, and so I think this draft kind of took a, a turn that, you know, well, we probably haven't seen before. 
it was, uh, you know, usually you see a lot of training of players and things like that. You didn't see any of that. There's a ton of wide receivers out there. The Jaguars, I'm sure, are one of the teams that are looking at signing a free agent to uh, to help uh, Blaine Gabbert in his development. Uh, right. Mike, and the other, I think, I think a, re- a lot of reasons, Scott, that there wasn't uh, a lot of stuff going on with uh, free agents, obviously, was the uh, CBA. Uh, you know, those kind of hands-off type policy. Um, so I, I don't think that uh, a lot of teams were able to do that. Uh, there's a wide receiver, uh, if, if you don't mind me switching gears here, a wide receiver that uh, went you know, pretty high, in my opinion, uh, but I think he's uh, worthy, was uh, Jonathan Baldwin. He went to Kansas City, he's 6'4", 228. I mean, this kid is huge. He's tall, and Kansas City is looking for somebody that's going to be, uh, let's face it, reliable. Don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. Dwayne Bowe, he, he's not that reliable, and they've got a couple others, but I think this kid can be very reliable in Kansas City's offense. Uh, what do you think about Jonathan Baldwin? Okay, well, this is where we're going to uh, take a different turn, Mike. Look, I'm a Big East fan. I watch Louisville uh, football every single game. I watch a lot of Big East football. Jonathan Baldwin was a guy I was ecstatic about heading into last season. And this kid just didn't seem to put it all together to me. I mean, he still went in the first round, so he was good enough to, to get the payday. But this kid's 6'4", 225, a 42-inch vertical. And I think this kid has hands of stone, man. He just doesn't catch the ball like he needs to. He doesn't go after and attack it like you would think he could. And I think it was just a terrible pick by Kansas City. I love what Dwayne Bowe brings to that game. You don't need another Dwayne Bowe. You need somebody else in that in that uh, in that in that Reggie Wayne mold, if uh, you know, to really complete that offense. Not another Dwayne Bow. I will not draft Jonathan Baldwin on any team this year. It's just my personal opinion. I think he has a lot of work to do, if at all, to get where he needs to be. But hey, you know what? I'm also not very high on Julio Jones, Mike. I know a lot of guys love this kid. He's a he's a specimen. He's a freak. He's a workout guy. And guess what? All the measurables are there. He he uh, he really grades out with the best of the best you've ever seen. That's been the story of Julio Jones' career. He grades out with the best of them. When he gets on the field, it doesn't translate into the real game for some reason. Now he does a lot of run blocking in Alabama. He always block for the running backs, and you know, I mean, we don't get points for run blocking in fantasy football. So, and then you, to top it off, Atlanta gives up the farm for this guy, man. And Mike Holmgren looks like. The genius that he always has been, he gets a complete coup for this pick. Julio goes to a team in a malarkey offense that doesn't throw the number two wide receiver. He's going to have to sit behind Roddy for the next five years. Why would you want to spend a high pick on a Julio Jones now if you're in a dynasty league when you're, you know, you've got lots of other options there? I'll tell you why. The guy, he came, he came to the combine with a stress stress fracture, and. He said, "No, I, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put all my eggs in one basket and go for the pro day. I'm gonna run the forty. I've got to run the forty. I've got to show them what I got." He runs the forty in a four three, four three nine, almost four four. Good uh, with a stress fracture. Yeah, he's a, he's a nice speed tough. guy. Hey, welcome, Darius Hayward Bay. <laughs> the kid is tough. I mean. That's what the NFL likes. I mean, they like guys that can go out there no matter what happens. And, man, it's game day. I'm playing. It's Sunday. I'm playing. So, I am totally, I totally disagree with you on this kid. Atlanta wanted him. They wanted him bad. They traded up for him. And uh, they got who they wanted. And you'll be shocked. Yeah. No, I mean, I won't be shocked. I mean, the kid, look, he's got, he's got talent. Uh, in the biggest stage, in the biggest of games, you know, he plays Michigan State, and, you know, I mean, that's it. You know, I, I just didn't see – I mean, he just doesn't get in and out of the route like you, I would think he could. And, I mean, he's just oh, – like I said, he's this freak. He's this specimen. And, I, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, fan, a, a football scout here, but, uh, you know what, hey, uh, more power to you. I think K.J. Green is head and shoulders, light years ahead of Julio Jones. I think – the, the, what, I saw, what I see out of A.J. Green is a complete player, dude. This guy is ready to hit. The, usually I'm not high on rookie wide receivers, Mike, 
And, you know, hey, look, Fitzgerald, Calvin, Andre, all these guys, none of them are just, you know, explode onto the scene, right? I mean, it never, it rarely ever happens. And when it does, it's coming out of nowhere, like Mike Williams or Deshaun Jackson. You don't know where it's going to happen. You're just flipping a coin here at this point. But, yeah, A.J. Green has the complete skill set. He's a great route runner. He's very smart. He times his jumps. He catches everything. He does everything a receiver you could ask of him. And, and he's going to a team in Cincinnati who, okay, they did take a pick, like you said, on your guy Dalton. That's good. So they've got an insurance policy if Palmer doesn't decide to stay. And you're going to have a team that's behind in every single bowl game. This year, the Cincinnati Bengals aren't going to win a lot of games. Uh, they're, they're going to be able to open this offense up like they really wanted to last year. Palmer's arm just did not open the offense up like we really thought it, like this offense could. Uh, you don't, you know, out goes Ocho, out goes T.O. So you turn this team into an A.J. Green, Shipley, Simpson, Gresham type team. I'm telling you, they're going to open this field up, and I'll bet you A.J. Green has a very nice rookie season. Uh you know what? I think A.J. Green is a very nice player uh, in a really terrible situation. Um, he's going to end up being a, you know, he's going to end up being a superstar. I believe that. Uh, but as far as the rookie season, uh, even his sophomore season, his next, his second year, I will take uh, Julio Jones against A.J. Green right now, fantasy point-wise against you, Scott. No doubt. All right, that's a butter burger challenge right there. I'm writing this down. Yeah. Two butter burgers. You have two. Two butter burger. A butter burger challenge on AJ Green versus Julio. Your rookie season, dude. This is in the bag, man. Come on, that 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 was in the bag before the season even starts, man. No, but you, look, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and give props to BFD, Lou Tranquilli here for just a second. The coaching tree is one of the greatest inventions in all of fantasy football. It's worth the, the price of the subscription here. There's no doubt in my mind you have to pay attention to the coaching tree. And Atlanta, what are they going to do? After years and years of coaching in a certain way, a certain philosophy, that you don't throw the number two wide receiver, you're all of a sudden going to start throwing to a guy? No. It's not what in your coaching that? philosophy. You can't just change your throw your playbook that you've used for years out and start with a new one because you got because you got somebody else to throw to. And you're when throwing that and talented, you're you, When he's that talented, you have to. When he's that talented, you have to. Just like when they did with Roddy White a couple years ago. When when he's that talented, you have to throw to the guy. Well. Uh, look, we've got we've got a long way to go, buddy. It's it's uh, it's, it's yet to be seen. Uh, look, okay, so we went through some quarterbacks there. Uh, you know, I I, I want to look at this quarterback situation because there's still some teams that did not address the quarterback position, Mike. Arizona, Buffalo, uh, Miami, and the Redskins. Okay, let's talk about these one by one. Let's take them one at a time. Arizona quarterback Max Hall through three rounds. You have still not addressed the quarterback. So what that means is, to me, you've got to address it in free agency. You got you became the front runner for Kevin Cobb. I mean, who else is going to take him? San Fran? No, you just took Copernic uh, from Nevada. You know, uh, who else? Was, who else was in the running? Well, the Jaguars? No, they're not going to take him. They got their guy. Minnesota? No, they took their rookie quarterback. Tennessee took theirs. Carolina took theirs. Uh, who do you have left here, Mike? You've got Buffalo with Fitzpatrick. They're not going to do it. Kenny looks at Miami looks pretty comfortable. And the Redskins. Kevin Cobb is going to the Cardinals, man. That makes sense. I mean, when you break it all down, but I don't think that Philly is wanting to – I mean, they want to get rid of him, but they don't. And, you know, it's a hard thing to figure out. Uh, you know, one week, Philly's like, oh, yeah, we're ready to get rid of him, but uh, – the next week, uh, they're not. I thought that they would get rid of him, uh, Kevin Cobb, uh, during this draft and for a pick. But with the CBA agreement, that that's, that wasn't going to happen. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it's a it's a weird situation there in Philly. But I, I think Philly should pretty much stand pat and keep Kevin Cobb for the best offer possible. 
Well, they're going to get a good offer. Uh, they're going to get a good offer from Arizona. I know in the chat room, Missouri's talking about Bolger. Uh, you know what? You have to you have to like uh, you know maybe the possibility of that happening. But look, there's no other destination. We've we've just removed all of the other possibilities. Look, Stan Fran took a quarterback at two four. Uh, are they going to bring in Kevin Cobb? I don't think so at this point. I think they're going to go ahead and decide to look. You know. We've got a new coaching staff in place. We've got uh, we've got Crabtree and Vernon Davis. We've got a, a team that could be in the playoffs this year. Uh, maybe we pay the price for Kevin Cobb. And, but, and, and, but why did you spend the pick? Why would you spend a two-four as a new coaching regime on a quarterback if you weren't going to if you weren't going to use him? They're going to keep Alex Smith. No, they're going to no. keep Scott and they're going to and they're going to say goodbye to Kevin Cobb. Scott, I'm selling uh, San Francisco right now. Uh, they were supposed to be the team last year that was going to burst onto the scene and be that good, uh, and they, that didn't happen. Uh, now they drafted uh, Colin uh, Kaepernick. I mean, I I don't understand that that pick at all because uh, you know they've got a build within that they they thought like they were going to be a pretty good team last year. It didn't happen, so uh, I don't see anything changing in San Francisco. Even the weather. It's going to be rainy, it's going to be dark, and it's going to be cloudy days for the 49er fans. Well, yeah, look, I, I'm just looking at, uh, I'm just looking at the, uh, the the facts here, and the facts just, just keep staring me in the face. I thought Kevin Cobb was destined for San Fran, and that was going to be one of the teams that I, I you could really put some faith in next year as a, a legitimate contender. But without a quarterback, I don't. I don't see how that's going to happen. I see uh, Kevin Cobb. There's a new. There's a new sheriff in town. Going to happen when free agency opens back up. There's no way to go with Max Hall. Uh, they've got a new running back now in Ryan Williams. Let's talk about Ryan Williams. Mike picked at two six. We talked about this kid for you know several several months now. Ryan Williams, Virginia Tech, maybe the best back in this draft. Uh, he goes to Arizona. And uh, look, that, that I don't know. Beanie Wells, say bye bye. That's 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 it. It's 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 dagger. It's fork. It's over. He is your undisputed number four pick in your dynasty draft. I might even take him at number three. But number four right now is Ryan Williams uh, in the Arizona Cardinals. Well, you know, I, I wouldn't go that bold. But then again, when you look at the uh, when you look at who's been taken, the position players that have been taken in this draft so far. We're looking at uh, 29 of them, and how many running backs have been taken? Very few. So, you know, you might want to go ahead and jump on him uh, if, if, you need, uh, if you need a running back, which, you know, let's face it, in every dynasty league you need a running back. Uh, this, this, could be your, this could be your chance. But then again, I go back to the fact that uh, it's Arizona. They've gone through high time. They've gone through Wells, and now you're going to give this guy a shot. I, it's too risky for me. I'm I'm going to pass and uh, uh, maybe go on down the line for another running back uh, that may happen in a couple years. Who knows? Mike, how, how can you say they went through Beanie? Beanie Wells, it, it's not like he proved anything. He was hurt all the time. You know what I mean? It's not as far as far as Beanie Wells. He, he can't even well, stay on the field. Beanie Wells, I mean, let's face it, he he really has not proven anything, and he's in an offense that's pass-happy. Uh, they have no offensive line. Until they get an offensive line, Beanie Wells is going to struggle. Well, okay, you know what? I agree with that. <laughs> we can agree We can agree on that. They are, they're going to have some issues, but Ryan Williams is a very legitimate player, and he, he, he goes firmly to my number four. My number four pick in the uh, in dynasty rookie draft, Mike. The next running back off the board uh, that was picked was a little bit of a surprise here. Shane Vereen out of Cal, the, the replacement to Javid Best. He goes to the New England Patriots, Mike. Now this is a kid that averaged five yards a carry at Cal, and he's taken before Mikel Shore and before Daniel Thomas, Mike. Bill Belichick knows what he's doing. But he yeah. already has some running backs on that team, right? I mean, you've got Woodhead, you've got Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis. Do you think Vereen is capable, or do you know anything about him enough, 
to, to say, you know what, this is a guy that could be elevated over those other guys that they have in New England. I have no, uh, to be honest with you, Scott, I have no idea about Marine and uh, what he's capable of. Um, but the one thing I do know is that uh, the hoodie, uh, Belichick, he wants a guy that's going to be part of his system. Now, I'm going back to system. I keep talking about system. And obviously he saw Vereen uh, being a part of his system for the Lachure. So, uh, you know, he, he said, well, I'm going I'm to take this guy instead of uh, Lachure, Daniel Thomas. Uh, so I, I'm not going to second guess yeah, what Pitt uh, did and what uh, New England did with that pick at all. Well, that was something. We're going to go ahead and bring in John Duckworth of Big Effin Dynasty, uh, the, the blog talk radio show on Tuesday night. John, welcome to the program. And how you doing, my friend? Doing very well, Scott. How are you doing tonight? Man, I don't know. We don't have anything else to talk about. I mean, <laughs> we're in a high-stakes world of fantasy football. There's nothing to talk about except the NFL draft, right? So, Shane Vereen, does he – does he get up here in this top six discussion? And, and do you buy into what Bill Belichick did? He drafted him before Mikhail Deshore and Daniel Thomas. That's a pretty big leap of faith here, don't you think? Yeah, obviously he was a player that, that they liked. Um, I, uh, I I can't figure out what New England's done in this draft at all. They 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 overdrafted this kid probably Vereen by probably around and Stephen Ridley by two rounds. But, you know, I I, I think the uh, the New England running back situation after this draft is exactly the same as it was before this draft. You have no clue. John. I mean, uh, you know, la- last year we were talking about Falk and Morris and Taylor and Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis, and this year we'll be talking about Woodhead and Law Firm and Vereen and Ridley, and it's just a mess. I I can't touch it with a 10-foot pole, even in a dynasty league, unless it's a league that's got, you know, a developmental squad where I can stash a guy for a couple of years and see what what he becomes. Hey, John. Hey, Mike. Hey, go ahead. Hey, how's it going? Uh, You know, honestly – it, it may seem like a mess to you, and uh, as far as uh, looking at dynasty-wise, uh, it, it may look like a mess, but down the road here in a couple of years, it won't be a mess because I think uh, New England, they do things for a reason. And, you know, it's just figuring out the guys that you want. And I don't think that was a bad uh, draft pick at all. Um, you know, it, it, it may turn out to be great draft picks. I just I don't think it's great value. But you know, when you have as many picks as uh, as they seem to have every year, I guess you don't have to draft for value. You can just accumulate the players you want whenever you want to take them. Hey, uh, Mike, I know you have to go here. I want to get your thoughts. I got, uh, before, I got, I got to run. Yeah. And uh, John, good luck this week in uh, baseball. It's been it's been a lot of fun with you. Uh, so uh, I do have to run, and uh, you guys have a great show. Take care, Mike, and, and good luck to you in the baseball as well. All right, thanks, man. Yeah, you baseball nuts, man. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta take a break from that because it is the NFL draft weekend. Okay, John, Daniel Thomas is the new name that's going to be on everybody's mind. I mean, he's always been on our minds, but now he's prominently there. We said that anybody that goes to the Colts, anybody that goes to Miami goes right up into the discussion of that 3-4 pick area, and now you've got Daniel Thomas picked at two, you know, the 30th pick of the second round. Uh, Miami traded up uh, with the Skins. They gave up a lot to get this pick, and Daniel Thomas does it all. 2,800 yards, 30 touchdowns. He can play the Wildcat and replace Ronnie Brown. They gave up a lot of draft picks here to get Daniel Thomas. I think it's a testament to what Miami wants to do. They want to continue to run the ball, and they want the, the guy running the ball in Daniel Thomas. I, I like the kid. I liked the kid before the draft. Um, you know, when uh, when Mike Mayock, who is one of the few draft Knicks that I, whose opinion carries a little bit of weight with me, first came out with his uh, initial 
running back rankings. He had Daniel Thomas ranked second behind Ingram. Um, he, he lowered him some. You know, Thomas had the problem with the hamstring, um, and I think that hurt him a little bit through the uh, the combine process. He couldn't uh, couldn't run, and he was limited on, on what he could do, as well as even into his pro day. But he is potentially uh, a three-down back. Uh, you know, the, the knock on him has been putting the ball on the ground. And uh, as long as that isn't an issue, um, he's going to have plenty of opportunity. And, you know, what, what, we, what do we look for? We look for talent, but you also have to have opportunity. And, um, and I think he has both of those things and, uh, and could be a, uh, a pretty successful uh, fantasy player for us. But uh, he'll have to hold on to the ball because that's the quickest way to get into some coach's doghouse is putting the ball on the ground. Hey, I completely agree with you, John. We love what Daniel Thomas brings to the table here. This is a guy that we were hoping would land in a favorable situation uh, to kind of push these draft picks down. There was a couple of uh, a couple of days right before the draft, I started trading aggressively for the 1-6 because I think most people were like, okay, there's a real drop-off after 1-5 uh, with a lot of unknowns. But the draft never works out like that. Williams and Ingram uh, – Obviously, the best backs in the draft, and then you got LeSure. And, and I think people were kind of saying, well, it depends on the situation. And so, you know, that 1 6 started upping in value because, you know, LeSure may not end up in the best spot. He ends up in Detroit with a with an injury prone job at best. You know, uh, you've got uh, uh, Williams that ends up in Arizona in a crowded backfield there. Maybe not a good situation. Daniel Thomas lands in the pristine of spots, Miami a coach, Sperano, who loves to run the ball, Henny's not ready to take over that team and, and lead it. It's going to be still led on the ground game. I would, it wouldn't surprise me if they grab another back because, hey, it's been the Ronnie and Ricky show for years. You've got some other free agent running backs. The list is pretty long of free agent running backs in the league. Uh, I could see them taking another back. But Daniel Thomas becomes the unquestioned number four back, in my mind, in dynasty football. Uh, and then we just got to figure out who's number five. Yeah, it's, um, it, 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 it's, it's a tricky situation. I mean, there, there, there are some guys out there I think you're going to see uh, Greg Little be fairly high on, um, on a lot of people's draft boards for uh, rookie drafts. Um, he landed in a fairly good situation in, um, in Cleveland. Um, I still happen to think that uh, Muhammad Massaqua can – be an NFL receiver, but he's probably better suited to be a two than a one. And uh, and Little certainly has the physical attributes to be a number one. Um, he's also got the head on his shoulders that could make him an NFL wide receiver in the mold of Kenny Britt, Des Bryant, Terrell Owens. So we'll see if he gets past the maturity issues. But uh, in terms of talent, he he's certainly there, and and, and you know we're funny. Um, for years, as as fantasy players, we we chased the next Antonio Gates. Now there's plenty of us now that have Jimmy Graham that believe we may have found him. You know, people are already trying to chase the next Mike Williams, uh, the guy with talent who slipped down the board because of personal issues, but a, quote, first-round talent. Well, that kid may, may, be, uh, may be Greg Lewis. you, know, you got to like him. you got to like the situation that, uh, that Hankerson ended up in, in, in Washington with, uh, you know, Santana Moss's contract was voided, so if he doesn't end up re-signing there, the number one receiver on their roster is Armstrong. And Armstrong was a nice little story last year, but he's certainly not a number one receiver. And I, I don't know that, that Hankerson has the ability to be a number one. I will tell you that my uh, my partner on the Big F and Dynasty show, uh, Michael uh, Bronte and Victus Fizi, absolutely loves Hankerson. And um, he's trying hard to win me over there. And while I'm not 
he doesn't have me there yet. I really do like the situation he's landed in. So what do you think about those two guys? Hey, you know what? Hankerson showed us a lot uh, late in uh, in the season for Miami. I, I'm, I'm I'm pretty impressed with the kid. He kind of re- I don't know if it's the jersey on the back, but he kind of reminds me of a of a Reggie Wayne. Uh, he, he's fast. He's got hands. He gets out of the routes good. He's six two. He's got the size, and he performed well at the combine. I mean, <laughs> you have a four four forty and a four three forty. I mean, you're you're running pretty damn uh, with the most elite players. You know, I don't I don't look into the pro days as much. The pro days, look, everybody runs their best day at the pro day. Give me the combine numbers where everybody's on equal footing, same surface, same everything. But this kid, I mean, you know, uh, 70-something receptions, 13 touchdowns. Uh, he's got a great vertical. You know, hey, I didn't see a lot of Miami games, but what I what I see of Hankerson now uh, looks like a heck of a bargain for the Redskins. My only problem is who's going to throw the ball. You got Grossman is the quarterback. Now, what's, what's Snyder going to do now when you've got uh, a, 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 the quarterbacks are gone? Washington didn't take a quarterback in the first three rounds, so you're not going to get one in the draft. You're telling me you're going to make the Redskins fans, I feel so bad for these guys, Redskins fans have to sit through a year of Rex Grossman leading my team? Oh, God. What does the NFC East become if you have to sit through Rex Grossman? They have to make a move in free agency, so they're not going to – I know you talked about McNabb. Maybe you could bring that up here in a second. Carson Palmer may not even be released. And Kevin Cobb, I've already got him booked to Arizona. What are the skins going to do, man? Um. I think they're going to go forward with Grossman. Uh, they, uh, you know, they, they they pushed hard to get Grossman into the lineup last year, and I I cringed when that happened because as a as a Houston Texan fan, I was in Jacksonville a couple years ago when Schaub got knocked out of a game and Grossman had to come in, and it, it was horrible. But I will say that. Um, Gross, Grossman exceeded my expectations when uh, when he did get the opportunity to play at least games he was able to start. I mean, we all remember the debacle against Detroit when he was brought in to fumble the game away and the controversy and the financial apology that Donovan got. But, uh, but Grossman, you know, everybody felt the same same way about Kyle Orton. It, it you know when when he was in Denver, oh my God, you know we what what are we going to do with Denver if Kyle Orton's the quarterback? You know Grossman did lead the Bears to uh, to the Super Bowl, and I'm not saying he's a great quarterback, but I'm saying saying he's certainly a serviceable NFL quarterback at this point. If they don't bring somebody else in, and that they'll still draft a developmental guy, you know whether it's a Ricky Stanzi or whether it's in the Later rounds, they get a Greg McElroy or a, a T.J. Yates or a Pat uh, Devlin from Delaware. They'll get a they'll get a strong arm guy because that's what uh, that's what Shanahan likes. So, yeah, it's 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 having Grossman is not an ideal situation, but it may be a better situation than than five or ten teams in the league start the year with. We're listening to John Duckworth, a big effing dynasty, the new uh, dynasty show sweeping the nation on Blog Talk Radio, part of BFD Fantasy, uh, with his uh, cohort, uh, Invictus Peasy. Uh, John, we've got uh, DeMarco Murray uh, from Oklahoma, another name now that is in the discussion with the Dallas Cowboys, being drafted to compliment Felix Jones here. Marion Barber's obviously on his way out. You don't spend this high of a pick and expect to take keep Marion Barber. Deshard Choice never got any love. He's probably the best back on the team. He never gets any love. But DeMarco Murray comes in, had a lot of potential when he first came in, you know, and then just never really put a stamp on it. But this guy kind of reminds me, you know, uh, I mean, he's a dual threat back. He catches the ball. He runs the ball well. 280 carries, workhorse, 70-something receptions. That's a workhorse. People better be thinking about how good DeMarco Murray really is because he carried the load for Oklahoma for four years. Now, his rookie year, he was a partial back, but for the next three years, he carried the load. And now, you know, I think people uh, really disrespected him in the draft, and here he is in, in Dallas. Felix hasn't really ever stolen that position and taken and ran with it. 
could we could have a time shed, but I'm just saying we might have a situation where DeMarco Murray's now the best back on the team. You know, that's uh, as a Felix owner in several places, uh, it was a disappointing pick. Um, I if they would have drafted a a big bruising kind of back that could be you know a goal line guy and a guy that's going to split some carries with Felix, but I know Felix is still going to get his touches and still going to get his catches. It doesn't worry me. But as a Felix owner, this guy concerns me a little bit. Um, He he certainly can catch the ball coming out of the backfield. So, you know, trying to figure out who's going to have what role there is is a bit of a head-scratcher. Um, you're right in the fact that the shard choice just never really seemed to to get the love from from the coaching staff and um, he figures not to be in the equation that much I think we all are in agreement that that Marion Barber is out so um, you know maybe, maybe Felix is the first down second down back and Murray's a little bit of a third down back and they're both capable of catching passes. It's not a horrible situation. Um but it's it's doesn't give you a warm and fuzzy as a Felix owner. Man, this running back situation is is quite a mess around the league in the National Football League. There's a lot of free agents that uh we have to figure out what's gonna happen here. Namely, you know, guys like uh Joseph Adai and uh uh um, Cedric Benson and Ahmad Bradshaw, Michael Bush, Ronnie Brown, Choice, all these guys uh, have to figure out what's going to happen with them and shake out. you got uh, uh, questions in Indy. I mean, no no back is really, you know, making me feel good about the Indianapolis situation. you got D'Angelo Williams. We don't know what's going to happen there. Seattle needs a running back still. Indianapolis really needs a running back. Uh, there's still a couple of teams here that haven't addressed that need. And now you've got Reggie Bush that's Arguably, you know, it's bye-bye Reggie Bush, right? He's he, That's what he's tweeting about. It's time for him to move on. We've got to find a home for him. Let's look let's look around the league here and see if we can't find a, uh, a well, home for I, Reggie I can Bush. Give, I can give you three homes for Reggie Bush. San Diego, because the 619 is home to Reggie Bush, and they're going to be losing Sproles. So that that's a possibility. Seattle, even though uh, they've got Leon Washington, you know, you do have Pete Carroll up there. But I'll I'll tell you the place to watch out for. And it's a place that a lot of former Saints have ended up, and and it's a place that makes an awful lot of sense, the Atlanta Falcons. Hmm. Yeah. They are are looking for somebody to replace Jarius Norwood. They're, They're now convinced that Jarius Norwood just can't cross the street without getting hurt. Um, the, 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 all the talk's been about explosive players. They, they're going to have to do some things to address their defense. They don't have a lot of picks left other than seventh-rounders. They've got, I believe, five picks left, but if I'm not mistaken, at least three of them are seventh-rounders. So they're not going to get a lot of impact out of the draft. At this point, um, I do expect them to try to make a, a splash with free agency whenever that comes about. And I don't think that uh, despite what Sean Payton was spinning today, that the Saints will be able to renegotiate a contract that's palatable to them and acceptable to Reggie Bush's pride. Lots of good situations and good points you brought up there. There's still a couple of running backs out there in the league, guys, that I don't want you to sleep on just yet. There's still some good players out there. Jacquez Rogers, Roy Hillou, Jordan Todman. These are guys that there's going to be some teams like Indianapolis. Let me just let me, let me throw a scenario at you right now. Roy Hillou. Everybody knows about Roy Hillou from Nebraska. This kid could play like there's no other when he's healthy. Uh, he's he's a, He averaged six. Cards were carrying in the biggest of games. He was very aggressive and looked like a world beater. 300-yard game against Missouri, okay? That's the kind of kid we're talking about here. If he were to be drafted by the Colts here in the fourth round, 
okay? Let me say, everybody likes Mark Ingram, and everybody wants to call him a world beater. I guarantee you this. If Ray Alou were playing on that Alabama offensive line, there's no doubt in my mind that he would have looked just as dominant, if not more dominant, than Mark Ingram. There's still some good – backs are like a dime a dozen this year, man. I'm telling you, some of these teams are smart. Indianapolis Colts, one of the smartest franchises in the league, right? They're taking offensive lines. They had to. And they've got to fix the running game. They're number 32 in the league in the run, John, for the last two years straight. Do not be surprised. Okay, look, they can always go free agency and get a D-wheel. But don't be surprised if they come after a Roy Halu in the third, in the fourth round tomorrow or a Jacquez Rogers, not as much a Jacquez Rogers. I'll talk about him in a second. But maybe even a Jordan Todman. I really thought that he was the better running back. I think he's a better running back than Donald Brown anyway. This guy ran for 1,700 yards in the Big East, and he just continued to produce all throughout the season. Jordan Todman. 5'9", 200 pounds, he's a good size, good speed. You take a Jordan Todman and put him on the Colts, that's a bye-bye Donald Brown situation. Uh, Todman or Halu, either one, if they land on Indianapolis, uh, they're waiting on a running back, right? Uh, who else did we say was waiting? Uh, Seattle, possibly, maybe not ready with Marshawn Lynch, and somebody is the heir apparent to Michael Turner. That's what I was talking about. You said Reggie Bush. I think Jock Kiz Rogers could be that kind of a slash you know, dynamite, uh, Darren Sproles-type player. I mean, he's so small. I mean, he's, he's Darren Sproles small, but he's lightning quick, good build, good frame, and he's hard to tackle. Uh, any of those guys kind of stand out to you? Jordan Tobin, Halu, John Quiz Rogers, any of those guys? Oh, um, Halu or Hulu or however you pronounce his name, uh, far far above uh, the the other guys that you mentioned. The the the. T- I think the two most talented backs left by far, in my opinion, are uh, Hulu and uh, Kendall Hunter. And uh, we'll, we'll have to see where they land. But, you know, what's uh, what's interesting is, you know, you're talking about Indy. With, with, with every passing round, to me, Joseph Adai's stock goes up. Kind of like Rex Grossman's stock went up. I think Adai's stock goes up. I tell you another guy who I've been down on the last couple of years, and then I was worried about him this year with a change of offensive coordinator and stuff, but whose stock is going back up in my mind, and I can't believe I'm about to say this. Uh, Steven Jackson. I really expected yeah. that by now the Rams would have uh, would have drafted uh, an heir apparent or at least somebody to – to help relieve the load. Instead, they spend a second-round pick on a tight end. Yeah. You know, that, Josh, Josh McDaniels wouldn't know what to do with the tight end if you gave it to him. <laughs> there are a dime a dozen, John. You got, it, you got it right there. I could see them backing up Steven Jackson here later with one of these guys. Uh, you know, they want me to you, – you've got other situations in St. Louis we need to talk about, too. They didn't address their wide receiver position. I mean, unless you think Austin Pettis is addressing the wide receiver position, so – you know, automatically I'm thinking to myself, hey, you know, uh, maybe they're going to address that in free agency. Free agency is the whole wild card here because it's coming after the draft. You've got Vincent Jackson, Steve Smith, and Sidney Rice, and Ocho, and Sims Walker, and Moss, and T, and all these wide receivers that could go and help out Avery, and they're going to pick Austin Pettis. I mean, uh, I don't know. I just don't kind of get it. I've never really been a big Austin Pettis buy-in kind of guy when there were so many other options there. They could have had – they could have had Hankerson, but they took Austin Pettis. So, you know, I guess Bradford likes, you know, what he sees there. Uh, but I think they addressed that in free agency. Moving on, Mikel Deshore, uh, John. Everybody wants to talk about Mikel Deshore and the, and the impact it has to Javid Best. I think we're all devastated by this as Javid Best owners. If you own him, you wanted to see them go in a different direction, not somebody as dominant as a Mikel Deshore. I've been pretty right about my Illinois backs in the past. I took Rashard Mendenhall. And I've held on to him in all my dynasty leagues. That's a guy that, you know, he, we only saw one good year out of him, too. Kind of the same situation here with LaShore. Kind of comes out of nowhere. I had a decent, you know, uh, sophomore year, but he didn't get, a lot of, didn't get a lot of work. Last year, they gave him the rock. He runs for 1,700 yards. He runs for 300 yards against Northwestern. And he runs for 17 touchdowns. Could have had a whole lot more. Uh, he, he dominated in the Texas Bowl. 
this is a guy that scares the gajibus out of me if I'm a job at best owner. And it's going to be a 50-50 timeshare from here on out. Best loses significant value. Um, you know, he, he obviously loses value. Uh, luckily, um, a, a, as a best owner, I like PPR leagues. And uh, job at best is still going to catch a ton of passes. And he's still a threat to, to take the, the ball to the house. So, yes, it hurts. It absolutely hurts, but it doesn't have to be the end of the world. I mean, I I, I love what's going on in Detroit. Yeah. Um, I a, hey, absolutely hey. fantastic situation there. What do you think about that Detroit wide receiver? Let's talk about him, Titus Young, Boise State. I drafted him in our uh, in our PDSL or uh, no the uh, our Survivor League. I really like this kid. Four four. Uh, 35-inch vertical from Boise. This is the wide receiver. If you're going to take one, not Pettis, they took Titus Young to stretch the field. He's an automatic slot receiver in year one. He'll be on the field from day one, John. This guy, you know, look, you got you got Burleson on, on one side. You got Calvin on the other. You got Pettigrew up the middle. You got Best in your backfield. All you have to have if you're a Detroit Lions fan is Matt Stafford. You're in the toughest division in the NFL or one of the toughest. You have to have Matt Stafford upright. Did they really address that? They addressed the defense. That's going to be monsters. But they didn't address keeping Matt Stafford upright. That's still a problem for me. Well, uh, you know, the, the line there isn't horrible. It's it's decent. Um, I, I will tell you that. I'm. I wasn't a huge fan of the Titus Young pick. Um, you know, he he he's he does have a great vertical leap, but he's not a tall guy, and he his uh, his times at the combine were pretty disappointing. You know, as a guy that was supposed to be the speed guy, I mean, you were hearing people say that this guy could be the next uh, Djax. Yeah. And he uh, he comes out and he runs a high four four, like a four four eight, four four nine, almost a four five. That's yeah. not a super speedy guy. But yeah, uh, you know, he's got the speed. Don't worry about the forty times. Sometimes people don't test well. They don't grade well on some of that stuff. But he is he is lightning fast. When you get him on the field, this is this is a classic Jim Schwartz toy pick. Man, he he loved his toy last year with best. He gets another toy for his offense, and I think you're right, though. I think it's the wrong pick. I completely agree with you. I think you take an offensive line pick, be smart. You're the, you're the Detroit Lions. You want to be the Indianapolis Colts. Start acting like the, off, the, the Indianapolis Colts, and you could become maybe the, the Indianapolis Colts. You're not going to get there drafting toys. I agree with you. All right. What else do we have? Well, hey, man, uh, it's been a fun show. We, we tried to get to as much as we could. Uh, there's lots of wide receivers here we could talk about. Torrey Smith uh, from Maryland going to Baltimore. Absolutely love this guy. Twelve touchdowns last year. Uh, this is a 4-4 guy. Deep threat, a legitimate deep threat for Joe Flacco. That's what he's needed all this time. Uh, Bolden isn't that guy. Mason isn't that guy. Torrey Smith, you've got two wide receivers there that are aging Torrey Smith is an immediate impact player. Don't discount this guy at the start of your second round area, right around that spot when you're looking at uh, Greg Little possibly or Hankerson and these guys. The end of the first, early second, Torrey Smith should be on your mind. This guy was arguably ranked right up there uh, with the best of them after Randall Cobb, after uh, Green and Julio, obviously. Uh, Another guy is maybe Vincent Brown out of San Diego State. The Chargers took a hometown local boy here. Vincent Brown becomes a nice player for Rivers. I love Vincent Brown. Yeah. I I love Vincent Brown. And Torrey Smith, I'm not a huge fan, but I do like what he does for that offense. I like what he does for Anquan Bolden as much as what he does for himself, somebody that can finally stretch the field, you know, and give them that threat over the top. I, I I think that does a lot of things for that offense. But, uh, the benefactor definitely could be uh, Bolden in that situation. Hey, Johnny, thanks for joining us tonight, buddy. Tell us again when the show is, what's the name of the show, and, and how they can listen to you. 
Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, the Big Effin' Dynasty Show, hosted by myself and Michael Bronte and Victus Peasy. Listen to us every Tuesday, and uh, I certainly appreciate you having me on, Scott, and we'll have you on very soon as well. Hey, it's a lot of fun, buddy. Uh, good luck to everybody in your Dynasty League. I did pull a big trade this week. Uh, got rid of the 1-1, the 1-2, and the 1-5. Acquired the Calvin Johnson, the Megatron, the Beast, uh, 1-6 and 1-9. Would love your thoughts at the Red versus Blue inbox, uh, inbox com. Everybody, we'll see you next Friday night. Until then, uh, enjoy the draft tomorrow. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.